Welcome to the Shift Podcast, where we talk about the most controversial topics and bring a biblical perspective to them. My name is Clay, and today we got something kind of unique. We got Sharon Williams and Marcel Williams. And instead of doing a traditional podcast where we kind of pick a topic and go over it, what we're going to do is we're going to ask them some questions about relationships and what the Bible says about relationships, how they've experienced that in their lives. Um, We have questions from students who wanted to uh, hear what they had to say about some certain things. We'll get into those, Uh, but I'm really excited. Um, Sharon, Marcel, nice to have you guys. Yeah, excited to be here. I feel like Clay just wants to see us fight, so (laughs) I don't know if we'll provide your entertainment, but we'll try. Make it saucy. (laughs) Hope Uh, so. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't stop it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right, sweet. So, First of all, um, let's just talk a little bit about your guys' relationship and kind of how it started, um, how you guys met maybe, and how it kind of turned into you guys being married for almost four years now. Sweet. Okay, I think that's me. Um, I've been told I breathe loud into the microphone and receive a lot of flack for it, so just brace yourself. Now that I mentioned (laughs) it, it's all you're going to hear. At least you're not eating candy or something. (laughs) Um, So Sharon and I met in college at K-State. I was originally a psychology major. Came in, ended up uh, declaring as music ed and really enjoyed that. Uh, It was a tough first year. I sat in the front row of our theory class and Sharon was in either the third or fourth because that's where the cool kids sit. And I later found out that she used to make fun of me. And all she knew about me was the back of my head. <laughs> um, prior to Christ, prior to Christ, I was a little snobby. I won't <laughs> lie. Yeah, so it was a really romantic start to our story. It's like some Nicolas Cage kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it Sparks? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could you imagine if Nicolas Cage wrote the notebook? That would be so much better. Oh, gosh. Oh, man, that would be so much better. But yeah, so we met in college and I remember meeting her in one of uh, our oral skills class. That's like a listening class that we do. Um, It's really fun. I really enjoy it. But I remember meeting her and I heard this kid behind me just like sounded like he was being bullied a little bit. And I turn around and I see this beautiful woman and I was just so like I was caught off guard. I was about to come to this kid's aid and then I saw this beautiful woman over there teasing him. And I was like, oh, wow, and forgot everything about him. He's okay, though. He he did He's great. He's fine. We went to high school together. Yeah. I, he was just easy to make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that sounds really good. Nah. <laughs> Alex, if you're listening, love you, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know that. No, it was a fun experience. But um, so that's, that's when I, I remember first seeing her. And then, uh, you know, we were both music education majors. And so over time, we just... Uh, started to interact more. She invited me to work on a school project with her. I can't quite remember what it was. I wrote a composition. I asked him to be the bass singer on my composition. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's still up for debate between us whether or not uh, I gave her my number. No, you gave me your... I emailed him and was like, if you would like to have any more help here's my number because we had been emailing back and forth which was just kind of weird and then 
I think I gave him my number and then he texted me like shortly after. I was like, hi, this is Marcel. And I was like, sneaky, sneaky. See you. Not sneaky. Yeah, I don't. Okay. (laughs) 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 Uh, Anyway. Um, but yeah, were, were you looking for a little bit more of our story? No, that's good. That's I kind of want to get yeah. Sharon's perspective on cool. how we met. Yeah. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so I did make fun of Marcel, um, the back of his head. He didn't know how to read music. And so he was kind of the pick. We, like, we all picked on him in theory class. Um, but I do remember the day that we first met. I was indeed making fun of this kid we made fun of each other though i just want to throw that out there it was mutual (laughs) we went to high school together um but i remember him turning around and i think he asked if i was bullying this kid and i remember like in the back of my head the lord being like you're gonna marry this guy (laughs) and i was like i don't date brown men (laughs) just to be real because i'm hispanic and marcel is um like he's a quarter african half hispanic half white no Quarter black, quarter Hispanic, half white. <laughs> and so I can't remember That's his African in your <laughs> But I just like, just to be completely honest of where I was, I had decided what the perfect man would look like in my brain and what he would look like. And Marcel just did not fit that. I also had a like cardinal rule. I will never date nor marry a, a musician because I hated other musicians like just I don't like the snobby attitude and I don't like the fight between musicians that often occur so he was like not even like in my mind even a thought but I remember looking at him and being like he's kind of cute he has a nice smile and he was carrying this coffee cup and I was just like coffee man so um (laughs) I remember we talked a little got to know each other I was like well I want to get to know him more invited him to collaborate on my composition and uh he did text me and I remember texting a little bit here and there and I kept trying to hang out with him but conveniently he always was busy like he was always like I want to hang out with you and then I text him he'd be like no I'm busy I'm like cleaning my room or something weird like that um and we did go on a few dates and then on our like third date he rejected me and was like I don't think I should be in a relationship but back then I swear to you he said I'm waiting for the perfect woman for God but he swears to this day that's not what he told me but sure didn't (laughs) (laughs) and they technically weren't dates because we were just hanging out as friends getting to know each other and and he told me i was beautiful outside of this cons yeah. of like lookout thing under the stars so yep. tell me if you don't I'm think that's a date oh and then afterwards while he was driving no. me home was like i'm going slow because i don't want this night to end so mm, it was close to a date it was very close to a date um but <laughs> what i actually said was god has told me that i'm not ready to be in a relationship right Correct. now which was very true yeah, a very I didn't good thing. need to be in a relationship either. So we took a break. And then a few months later, we both decided to meet up at a coffee shop. And there was interest. Actually, no. He texted me on a Thanksgiving break and was like, I miss you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Because <laughs> we were very close friends. Hey, no. He's making faces over there. I was very confused. We were very much just friends at the time. So I didn't know where this was coming from. And so then we met up. And then... We started dating. Nice. The drama is thick. <laughs> it always is with relationships. Um, that's a great story. Was Marcel is handsome. 
back then as he is now. Yeah, actually, he's glowed up quite much. <laughs> he was handsome then. I put, swear. He's put on that bulk. He got a facial beard hair thing going. He grew out his hair. He used to buzz his head. <laughs> I don't know why. My man. Yep. But his smile is still as handsome as the day I ever met him. Gross. Get that out of here. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, you guys have been married for almost four years now. How has that been? Um, maybe give, give us, like, a snapshot of maybe some big things that have happened in your marriage to kind of form your relationship to what it is now, if you're willing to share. Um, I think if we looked at our engagement, actually, we had a pretty rough engagement because we came from very different normals. And at the time, we didn't realize that until we started doing some more premarital counseling and um, this thing called Defining the Relationship by Danny Silk. Um, and I think just realizing that we somewhat came from different cultures. Like I grew up in a household that was Hispanic military kid. So my normal was very different from Marcel who his parents got divorced when they were four, when he was 14. Um, so he was raised by his mom and we just saw things very differently. And we were both, I think, growing with God, um, extremely like our identities were being built and so we were just trying to figure out ourselves while trying to figure out each other while trying to figure out this new normal. And it was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. um, so when I think when we got married, it was the first few months we were like, yes, like we're married, we're excited. And then like I am, we got his first tuition bill for school and I was like, oh, wow, that's a huge number and had to spend some savings on that. And then I was student teaching, which was a lot because it was like trying to figure out this new normal but I was also gone most of the day while he was still in school and I would come home and I worked a part-time job at the time so I was just tired and then he student taught the next semester so it's really been the last two years where we've really I think got to really figure out what it looks like to be married um, because we were in college and then student teaching one time after the other and now we work in full-time ministry together so it was just a lot at one yeah. time. Man. You got anything to add to that, Marcel? Um, well, not a ton, except for the fact that, honestly, it, it feels like, and this is going to sound crazy and possibly awful, but <laughs> but it really honestly feels like we haven't ever found a groove to our marriage until probably about like four, five months ago, which has been like a really cool thing, like mm -hmm. to kind of, kind of like really feel like a team and discover like what um, being a, a teammate means and looks like. And, um, <clears throat> and so obviously that's going to be different for everybody. The healing process, the like, you know, creating a normal together. Mm-hmm is different for everyone but i think man if you're able to confess your like need mm -hmm. for god um the more you're able to do that with humility and not let pride like tell you that you've you've got it figured out and and you know be really like pressing into hearing from people uh in your life then it'll go a long way and and whatnot and so i yeah. definitely feel like our marriage has 
has changed a lot like every year mm-hmm. i mean honestly but especially over this last year it's been really good yeah and i think it's also just been a challenge because like i mentioned we work together so not only are we married but we're co-workers and we're co-directors together which just adds a whole another layer because not only are we married but it's also when we're in leadership together it's not just oh my co-director doesn't want to do that it's like my husband my best friend like this person that I want to think the best of me is calling me out right now on like this leadership decision or like where's the boundary of talking about work at home or just being us what does it look like especially Mm -hmm. since we're in ministry and those lines are even blurry it's like when does um when do we stop like talking about the ministry and start talking about fun things or dreams or about us as a couple those were like some Mm -hmm. really blurry lines that we've just I think recently started to figure out um and become healthier and but at the beginning it was almost like we were just co-workers living together which some of that's my fault I'm a huge workaholic I'll admit it and just not knowing how to like stop the conversations and just have fun every now and then yeah yeah that's good um I think there's a lot there there's a lot of rich history that you guys have been through maybe some tough times some joyful times I think speaking personally and I probably can speak for others I think your marriage has been a blessing to a lot of people so first of all thank you guys for going through it and facing those tough battles and getting through it I think um, you're going to bring a lot of wisdom to the questions that we're about to ask and what people want to know so I'm excited to get into it are you guys ready yeah Sweet. Okay. So first question that we got on the chopping block. What was your biggest fear when you started dating? Officially. Easy. Biggest fear uh, when I started dating Sharon was that I had just had this huge fear that somehow like I was going to basically end up like all my relationships would end up the same way that my mom and dad's relationship did in divorce and just kind of this fear like oh man it's just around the corner like it's inevitable like I'm gonna mess up or or she's gonna mess up and something's gonna happen and and like this relationship is like the connection is gonna be severed um and even if it wasn't around the corner um a lot of times the lie would come that it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, my parents were married for, I think, 12 years. Yeah, 12 years. And then something like that happening is pretty, like, it just amazes me that you can go through 12 years of life with a person and then decide, I I think I'm good. Yeah. You know? And so that was definitely uh, a big fear that kind of just, like, hung over me during our time of dating how do you face it wow good question a <laughs> little harder to answer yeah. <laughs> um i think one i i first had to like realize that it was there because there's a time where, portion of time where i didn't know and then secondly i had to confess it like not mm-hmm. just between me and god but like through the community of of men and especially people like who were pouring into me and discipling me at the time had to confess that to them and through doing those things you know not all at once but over time 
I feel like um, through, you know, being with Jesus and being with those friends, they helped me walk through forgiveness with my parents and even forgiveness with myself for like thinking that I could have held them together if I like behaved a certain way or, Mm. or acted a certain way. And just like that, that pressure, that like responsibility or role I picked up, it was, it was never meant for me. Yeah. And so I had to forgive myself and, and them, um, and, uh, to like even begin to like pick up any truth. Yeah. And the truth was that, um, God had a lot more for me and he wanted to, he wanted to break this generational thing that had been plaguing my, my family for a long time. And, um, and I believe that he's done that. I don't, that's not going to be a part of my legacy. And I used to say that out of like a pride, like I will not let this happen. (laughs) (laughs) I will not, I will be the one in my family who does not get a divorce. I'm going to like push through it, but it's more of like God just wanting like, uh, a peace and a rest in that knowing like the work is done. And, um, and so we could get into that and talk about that for a long time. Sure. But, uh, I'll give it back to you. (laughs) Um, Sharon, what was your biggest fear? Um, I was thinking about it and I don't know when we started dating. I realized this, but if I look back now, I think when we started dating, I just started to recognize some abuse in my past. And so there is this huge fear of like betrayal or being left behind. Um, and so I think that was always underneath everything. I don't think I expressed it or even recognized it at the time. I think I'm just now starting to understand the depths of it after healing more. But I think I was always just kind of waiting for him to just disappear or leave um, because he would decide I wasn't good enough or something. Mm. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, okay. So next question. Um, how did you know God was telling you that this was the person you're supposed to marry? I mean, Sharon obviously heard it audibly, (laughs) but we don't always get that luxury. Was there other, um, other ways that God was telling you that or sharing like, yeah, this is the person you should marry. Yeah. Sharon, you can go first. Yeah. Um, so something a lot of people don't actually know about me or about the story is I was dating a man prior to Marcel um, and he was a childhood best friend and we had talked about getting married um, and I remember being in a service and asking God should I marry him like is this what you have for me and God showing me a picture of me marrying him and he was like you can marry him but I also have someone else that you can marry that you could expand the kingdom with at a higher rate if you wait. Um, But he was like, by all means, go for it, which was actually like contrary to what a lot of people had told me, like you have to wait for the perfect one. Mm -hmm. But it felt like God was more saying like, you know what, you have free will and you can do this and I'm going to use this. Um, which was actually relieving because it felt like marriage was less of this, like, this is like what you're destined for. Like you have to get to marriage and then life is perfect, which is not true, but it was more about partnership. It was about God being like, Hey, you could partner with him or I have someone else that you could partner with. And, um, even when Marcel and I were discussing getting married, it felt like 
Marcel was able to expand the kingdom with me at a high level. Like at the time, I think we both wanted to be teachers. So the vision was there. But even now, us not being teachers and being in ministry together, there's no one else I could imagine expanding the kingdom with at the way the way we do because we're complete opposites. We'll probably talk about this later. But there's no one else that I think um, that I've met that I felt we could do the expand the kingdom the way we do together. So I think it was that. It was finding someone that I could expand the kingdom with. Yeah. Yeah, and it reminds me, like, I think there's a, a myth out there, especially even in the Christian community, that's like God has this particular person mm-hmm. that he wants you to marry, and you're just, like, on a track to meet that person. And I've kind of expelled that belief from myself. I don't think that's true at all. I think God will partner with you. Yeah. I think he'll give you some big red flags or some red lights and say no um, sometimes. But oftentimes he'll say, yeah, that's your choice and I'll partner with you. Um, But yeah, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's even what was happening with me with the man I was with prior to Marcel. Like I could have married him, but now looking back and we're really good friends now, but I think our personalities, it would have been hard to expand the kingdom with him because we were very similar and very stubborn. Yeah. And so I I see some red flags there that God was like trying to show me. But also he understood that if he was just like, no, I probably would have just done it. But out of the father's love, he was like, hey, you can do this or you can wait and be patient and see what else I have in store for you. Yeah, that's good. Um, what about you, Marcel? Um, was there a time or like, was God, did you feel like God was telling you or, or giving you clarity and like, yes, this is the person that I want to, I should marry. Um, well, honestly, I agree with Sharon. I mean, I think everything she said is good and hit it on the head. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, um, yeah, I think just when I realized, man, this could be a really good partner and it wasn't like the choice was necessarily just super easy either. Like we clashed a lot. Like we are very conflicting in our personalities and, and whatnot, but there was just this like way that we challenged each other and called each up, called each other up, um, through our weaknesses and like, and our, each other's strengths, like we needed them. Um, and I thought that was really powerful. And so, uh, the thing for me though, with Sharon was like, I've never met someone who was so desperate to be changed by God, who recognized like her need and her own like wickedness. Um, and that was something I wanted because I, I felt like I had a tendency to be a little more passive, a little more slow to engage with what God is doing in me or challenging me and just a little more resistant Mm -hmm. and so seeing her like living so raw i really admired that and thought man this this is a really good thing and so yeah that was all part of it called you out a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. inspired me for sure yeah well on the note on that note did you guys in your process of choosing each other and this might come up in other questions but like did you seek godly counsel men and women in your life that you're like, Hey, this is a person I like. I love this person. I, I want to marry this person. What do you think about this? And like, 
how did that process kind of go for you guys? Oh, yeah. I remember I was on a spring break trip and Marcel couldn't go because he had to work. But I remember he called me and was like, hey, I feel like God's like um, putting on my heart that we should get married. And we had been taught. It wasn't like he surprised me or anything, but it was the confirming moment. And I remember this sounds bad, but it was just like I had my whole life planned. I didn't want to get married till I was 28 or 30. I wanted my PhD. Like I had this plan. And I remember going to the woman who was discipling me at the time and just sobbing um, and just being like, I have to break my plans for what God has. And her just like counseling me in that and reminding me that it wasn't just about me. And um there was a lot of conversations about, okay, is Marcel and you, A, living independently for the Lord first before you even start talking about marriage? Like, if that's not happening, don't even go there. But when marriage started coming up, it was, okay, how can you guys together expand the kingdom? Um, are you both in a place where you feel like you can still, like, have a relationship with God and not get totally focused in on the other person? Um, boundaries were conversations. Um, even when we were like in premarital counseling, it just felt like there's always just questions about how are you expanding the kingdom? How are you still serving God? Um, we've had a lot of people's input and we wanted that. Um, and we also lived with people who were dating people in our houses. So we lived with a group of people that were also just in our lives, constantly calling us out, um, and helping us grow. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so important. I know that's helped me a lot. Like, trying to date someone where it's just you two and you've separated yourself from the community and no one really knows about what's going on in your relationship except you two, man, get ready yeah. for some trials because yeah, it just leaves such an open door. It leaves you vulnerable um, rather than having people there to protect you and yeah, love you. Marcel, do you have anything to add? There's a lot said. some good stuff. I think, yeah, I think <laughs> okay. it was good. <laughs> All right. So Marcel, I'll uh, give this question to you. Um, this is actually more of a hypothetical question, but people can maybe use it and gain it, advice from it. But um, let's say you guys in your dating um, or even engagement and you were like, came to the point where you're like, I feel like this relationship needs to end. Either God says tells you like hey this is not okay you guys need to break up or it's just something maybe that you come to that conclusion how would you have gone about breaking up with each other if it were to have happened good question um how would we have gone about it how would you how would you have broken hmm. up with sharon if you had to well not a text thank message. god it didn't have to <laughs> yeah um uh let me know if i don't quite answer the question the way you're looking for but um or or uh, probably a better way would be like how would you advise someone who needed to end a relationship mm -hmm. how would they go right. about doing that yeah uh well i think first this is really important and i i don't think this is done often or very well because it's really hard but first before you're even in a relationship you need to be able to see that person um like honestly as a as a brother or as a sister and really be able to value their masculine or feminine qualities without sexualizing them without romanticizing them without looking for them to fulfill a need in you um yeah, that's good yeah and 
it's that's really hard mm-hmm. especially because we're so young you know we're looking for you know we're especially in college you know we're looking to fulfill who we are figure out what we're doing why we're doing it who we're going to do it with and just um really just we're processing a lot we're Mm -hmm. becoming into men and women and so man if someone comes along and there's an opportunity for one of your needs to be filled one of those holes to be filled it's really hard to not let that person just come and do that Mm -hmm. um so i think starting in that place is so important and it's it's uh yeah it's a really good thing and i think if you start a relationship from that place then it sets you up to honor the person very well and i don't think sharon and i did this perfectly but looking back i feel like i can look at that and kind of see how this would have been impactful for us um but at the core of that relationship is a friendship and if you aren't able if you're in a place where you're not able to end that relationship and maintain a friendship then it probably wasn't a healthy relationship to begin with and maybe you had gone further than you uh, perhaps like should have emotionally or you were looking to them to fulfill something in you that they shouldn't have Um, and you know sometimes you just can't do that because the relationship is unhealthy it's abusive or it's manipulative or you know what there was just there's just some things that were crossed but but I think what's essential is um, keeping God at the center. Um, so that way when you do break it off, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's not about him. It's not about her. It's still about God. It's about, Oh, okay. Maybe you and I are not the best fit to expand the kingdom together. And, uh, maybe there's a better way for, for us to do that or, um, or whatnot. So yeah, hopefully I answered that. Yeah, that's good. Sharon, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, I think, um, first off what Marcel said is super important and, um, definitely exactly how it will set you up to go into, um, if you have to break up how to do it in a healthy way. But I recently had, um, a couple of friends who've had to break out of relationships, not because anything bad happened. It wasn't abusive or anything, but the question of, can I, is this the person who I can expand the kingdom at? Um, the highest degree with is this person came up and they were like, I don't think so. Or maybe it was just simply they were like, you know what? Our personalities really just aren't matching. Like, it's not even just like a Marcel and I think of like, oh, we're opposites. But they just could tell in the long run it wasn't going to work out. Um, and what I encourage them to do is just to be honest. Like, I think there's this culture that we live in that says when you're dating, you're basically married. And that's not true. You're not basically married. You have entered into wanting to know each other at a deeper level, but there's still boundaries within that and what that looks like. Because until you say I do, you are not married. You are still single. Right. Um, and so I think it's just being honest with them of, hey, you know what? I'm super glad we got to try this out. Um, but. I don't think this is going to work out. And if you've had healthy boundaries, which I know there's questions about it that we'll probably talk about later, but um, if you don't have healthy boundaries, this is when it becomes difficult because maybe you gave too much emotionally, maybe physically. Like if you said, I love you in the first month, I would question that. Like I would really think about like, do I really understand what that means? Do I really know that person? Because what happens if three months in when you finally know this person, you're like, whoa, I don't think this is working out. You've said I love you. And that adds a whole nother layer of like just 
what is happening, you know? And I think it comes Mm -hmm. to like talking to people in your life and asking, but I think you have to be honest during a breakup. And then second, you have to have boundaries afterwards because it's easy to want to continue that Mm -hmm. dating relationship, but you can't text them every day. You can't be watching their Instagram stories. There needs to be like a natural breaking, even if you're friends Um, and probably praying with someone and being like, God, do I have soul ties with this person? Even if you do things perfectly, things come up. A soul tie is just like an emotional connection or a physical connection that's um, not godly. That's why we break them usually. There are such things as godly soul ties, but that's a whole nother thing. But just for those of you who don't know what that is. um, But, you know, you need to take a break and really just like, okay, pray, heal through it. And then you can see them as a friend or brother or sister in Christ. Um, and mourn. I'm a big person believer of mourning. Like go mourn with your friends, go yell Taylor Swift or eat ice cream or stargaze, whatever you need, drink some wine, whatever, you know, like go mourn it. Um, but don't stay in that place. But I think it's just honesty. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I really loved what, um, Marcel, you said about like, if this person is meeting a need in me, that, probably the Lord should be meeting that definitely the Lord should be meeting. And that's a problem because Mm -hmm. that now you need that person. It's not even love at that point. It's like, Mm -hmm. I love you for what you do for me and not for, not because I genuinely care about you and your well being. Um, and yeah, I don't think relationships can function in a healthy way at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, I really resonated with that. Yeah. Maybe a last, like just sticky note on that. Um, yeah, we use the word love really like loosely in America and I love my home. I love my dog. I love pizza. I love tacos. Me too. Um, (laughs) but just thinking about Sharon and I's relationship, I love Sharon. Um, and I know she loves me, but she is not, and neither am I. We are not the same people we were when we were dating. Mm -hmm. Not by a long shot. If our friends now met us at that age, they would think that we're we took up a minor in theater because we're acting so different um so to, to love someone goes so much deeper than their like their qualities or what they do or what they like it's you you have a lifetime of getting to know that person potentially i mean this is you know um but um yeah if i loved all the things about Sharon at that age, as of right now, at the place we are in our marriage, none of those things would be there anymore. So do I still love her or, or do I not? And that's kind of just a, uh, an interesting thing that happens, you know, as you develop and as you choose to spend, uh, years with someone. And, and I would say, man, I, I love her more for who she is now, for who, for what God's done in her. And, and, um, the way that I've gotten to know her at a, such a deeper level than I did uh, back then. Um. Yeah. And sorry, sticky note on top of that. I think <laughs> I just thinking about my friends, I think sometimes there's this shame of like, Oh, you broke up. Like what was wrong? Like you must've not been hearing from God before you started dating. And I just want to like release people of that because there's no shame if you break up. Like that's why you were dating is to see if this relationship was even like, 
going to work. And I think culture like puts this thing that it, it, Christian culture puts that if you date someone, you're going to be married in four months and then have a baby in a year. And I just don't think that's healthy or fair to be placing on single people in the church. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat got dry. But there's no shame. Like, you got to do what you got to do with God. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I want to keep going into this. We have a few more questions, but we are out of time today. So what we're going to do is we're going to have in two weeks, we're going to come back and we're going to dive deeper into these questions. Um, and we're going to actually hear about a break that Marcel and Sharon had to take um, that the Lord called them to take and kind of what their season of waiting and singleness looked like, um, how they embraced that and uh, seek to obey God in that. Uh, as well as we're going to talk a little bit about um, yeah, singleness and boundaries um, when you're dating and several other things. So tune in in a couple weeks and we're going to get back into this. Um, but we appreciate you listening today and um, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, Clay. Thanks. Yep. See you guys.